Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. This is David Wise, Rabbi of the Hollisills Jewish Center, welcoming you back to the Daily Duff Differently. Today we are on Yoma Kafdalid, Yoma page 24, and we continue to explore the intricacies of Trumat Hadeshen, the lifting up and removing of ashes from the altar. We begin with a question from Rabbi Avin. How much deshen is enough deshen? Here we see the rabbinic fascination with shiurim, measurements. Since the Torah doesn't tell us how much, we have to deduce the answer from biblical texts that do mention measurements. The question is, what analogy applies? Do we learn from Trumat Maaser, the lifting of the tithe, which is a fraction of one one-hundredth, or from Trumat Midian, as mentioned in Numbers chapter 31, which was one part in 500? The Gemara answers by citing Rabbi Chia, who deduces an analogy to the Mincha, the flower offering, because in both instances the Torah uses the same word, Veherim, he shall lift. Since with the Mincha, which is mentioned in the same chapter as Trumat Adeshen, a measurement, namely Bekumtso, a handful, is specified, so too a handful of ashes will suffice. Next, we have a long sugya dealing with the status of Trumat Hadeshen as sacred service. The instructions of Leviticus chapter 6 are clearly being directed to the Kohanim. So what if a czar, a non-Kohen, did Trumat Hadeshen? Would that intruder be Chayav Mita, culpable for the divine death penalty? Here, Rav and Levi disagree. Rav has a list of four forms of avodah, sacred service, that a czar would be on the hook for mitah if he did them, and that list does not include Trumat Hadeshin. Levi's list has five items, including Trumat Hadeshin. The sugya continues to explain their respective opinions. For Rav, the Torah's warning in Numbers 18 to non-Kohanim about staying away from altar-related activity calls such service avodat matana, service that involves placing something. Well, that would exclude avodat siluk, service that involves removing something from the death penalty warning. And further, Rav interpreted the word va'avadatem, <coughs> and you shall serve, to imply completed service, avodah tama. But avodah sheyesh achareha avodah, incomplete service, something with more tasks still to complete, well, that would be exempt from the warning, and thus doesn't carry culpability. Levi, on the other hand, sees the phrase, lechol devar hamizbeach, all matters of the altar, to mean just that, all, which is why he assigns culpability to the czar who does Trumat Adeshin. This opens the door for a classic back-and-forth sugya. 
How does Rav neutralize Levi's all? And once he does, by showing that word teaches us a different detail, what's Levi's source for that detail? And so on. Then Levi gets challenged. Our verse seems to be a case of klal ufrat, a general principle followed by a specific reference. The interpretative rule of the Torah says we apply only the specifics. Since the verse says first, lechol devar hamizbeach, general, and then avodat matana, specifically the service of placing things, how then can Levi make the service of removing things, namely trumata deshen, a culpable act? On Levi's behalf, the Gemara answers that since there are intervening words separating the klal from the prat, the principle doesn't apply. And those intervening words add the element of ulumi beit la parochet, what is behind the curtain. Unlike the Wizard of Oz, we must pay attention to the man when he is behind the curtain. There, avodat siluk, removal service, is exempt. But bachutz, on the outside of the curtain, the penalty would apply. Levi must face one more challenge. Should we not also apply the distinction of behind or beyond the curtain to the matter of avodatama, of completed or still to be continued elements of service? And to this, Levi would answer that the vav of vavadatem is a conjunction that creates comparable rulings. So, no, the distinction of behind or beyond the curtain isn't relevant. If we were to score the sugya that follows as a piece of music, it would be noted staccato. Rava asks about the status of avodat siluk bahechal, removal service performed in the hechal, the inner room of the temple. Is that considered an inside job or an outside job? Bifnim or bachutz? And Rava answers his own question. Had the Torah simply said, mi beit, it would be excluded. But since it says, um, ulami bait, the vav serves as a ribui, meant to supplement its definition, and thus to treat it as being on the inside. This leads to a long set of exchanges on what it means to finish a job. Every time an act of service is mentioned as being the end of the process, avodat tama, and therefore a non-kohen who were to do perform it would be chayav mita on the hook for divine execution. Well, every time we see an act presumed to be the end, we find out that there's more to do, and so it's really avodah shiyesh achareha avodah. And when it seems we've come to the end of the process, reaching Hadlaka, the lighting of the menorah, because something has to be Avodah Tama, the Gemara has another solution to keep the non-Kohen off of God's death row. Hadlaka, love Avodahi. Lighting doesn't constitute sacred service. Oh, really, says the Gemara? Yes, really, it answers, because while igniting is Avodah, Hadlaka isn't. And the great thing about Rav and Levi's disparate positions on the status of Trumat Adeshin, with which all this began, is that there's a Brita to support each of them. If you're a non-Kohen and you really want to take part in Trumat Adeshin, you may want to err on the side of caution. Besides, as we've learned on previous Dapim, it can be dangerous work.
Toward the end of the daf, the Gemara returns to the pais, the lottery for Kohanim to participate in Trumat Adeshen. And someone asks, Lama Mephisin, why did they have a lottery? Now we can envision the scene in the academy when that question floated into the air. It reminds me of a congregational trip I took to Israel years ago, and we had spent an hour in Minharot HaKotel, the Western Wall Tunnels, and finally one trip member says, in absolute serious, so wait, what's this wall again? Lama Mephisin? Why did they have the lottery? Where were you when we read the Mishnah that told us exactly why they had the lottery? No, 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 no. Here's my question. Lama Mephisin v'chozrin u'mephisin? Why would there be a pais, a lottery for one priestly activity, and then a break and time passes, and then another pais, ultimately with four lotteries in the course of the day? Why not do them all at once? The answer is a great window into human nature. In order to keep everyone in the temple precincts in a state of heightened excitement. Otherwise, the impact of sacred service could wear off. A Kohen could get bored with the routine. The various lotteries added spice to their jobs and renewed their eagerness to serve. Yes, even the temple could become devoid of spiritual grandeur, unless upper management threw in a twist. The daf concludes with a question about dress code for the pais, the lottery. Rav Nachman said they all wore big day chol, normal clothing. Rav Sheshit said they were all in uniform, big day kodesh, wearing sacred vestments. Rav Nachman's reason was that no one should be disadvantaged and lose a spot while changing into work clothes while someone who was already dressed and ready beat them to the punch. Rav Sheshet reasons that the pure excitement of winning the lottery was so great that if the lucky Kohen was wearing Big Dechol and heard his name called, he'd go running into action without his uniform, and that would be a serious no-no. Clearly, the Gemara believes that as a result of the lotteries, there was just enough suspense to keep the Kohanim excited for work. How can we keep you excited to continue with the Daily Duff differently? I'll tell you tomorrow. So be sure to tune in. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.